T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's become a tragic ritual at the end of every weekend. We tally the dead and wounded and count the bullets to assess how much violence there was. Lately, it seemed as if the numbers are getting higher. This is not normal. And my guests this weekend are working to make sure this never becomes the norm. It's all about curbing the violence. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. violence prevention organizations have added their voices to calls for more resources and more attention for efforts like theirs. Officials from the group Chicago Cred, Ready Chicago, and Communities Partnering for Peace issued a joint statement calling for government officials to dedicate federal relief money to expand anti-violence programs. Well, we're going to discuss that idea and the programs and the problem of gun violence with people connected to the organizations that hope to help. Jennifer Keeling is Director of Strategic Partnerships for Chicago Cred. She's previously led efforts to improve out-of-school learning, and she has worked for the city of Chicago, among other things. She's also been an advocate for the homeless. Vaughn Bryan is Executive Director of Metropolitan Family Services. He previously headed the Metropolitan Peace Initiatives, an outgrowth of communities partnering for peace. He once worked for the Chicago Park District as well. Eddie Bocanegra is Senior Director of Ready Chicago and has worked with young people who've been involved with gun violence as victims or perpetrators. That program gets those people working legitimately. Well, thank all three of you for joining me this, uh, for this weekend's program. And let's first talk about the work that you're already doing and really what's working and what's not. Um, and uh, Jen Keeling, we'll, we'll start with you with Chicago Cred. Uh, talk about what Chicago Cred is and what it does. Sure, thanks so much for the question. I am honored to be here in, in everyone's company this afternoon, this morning. Um, so Chicago Cred was founded in 2016 by former Secretary of Education, Arnie Duncan, um, with the singular mission of achieving transformative reductions in gun violence in Chicago. Um, we have expanded our profile some since the early days, but the, um, the two neighborhoods that we remain most deeply committed to um, working directly are Roseland and West Pullman on the south side, as well as North Lawndale on the west side. Um, these are by no means the only two neighborhoods in need of services like CRED provides. In fact, you'll hear from, from Vaughn and Eddie about the work that they're doing um, in many additional neighborhoods. 
But what CRED does in those two neighborhoods is, um, is seek to achieve a transformative reduction in gun violence by working directly with the predominantly young men, a few women as well, um, who are most in, most likely to engage in that violence. And when we work with these individuals, we wrap them around with, um, with a range of support and services that we believe are all necessary components to actually changing behavior um, of an individual and the group of which they are a part. So very briefly, our program starts with an outreach phase where we have um, violence interrupters who know the lay of the land in our neighborhoods and know which individuals are likely to be engaged in violence. We reach out to them, we talk with them, we find who they're in opposition with, we talk to their opposition, we try to, um, to strategize with those individuals about what we may do to, um, to help them choose a path that is not one of violence and not one of destruction. Once we have um, moved through the outreach phase and we have a person ready to engage with us, we move into our programming phase. And this is really the most intensive phase of our work. It is when we are, um, we are doing everything possible with an individual to meet their myriad needs. Um, we are always focused on addressing trauma. All of the individuals that we serve have been in traumatic settings, victims of trauma for years and years on end. That's clinical work, that's group work. We also address educational needs, legal barriers, really whatever an individual needs to start progressing toward a, um, a different path in life. After, um, after a, a bit of time, we, um, we continue to support our participants through the rest of our programming work, and then we phase them into um, an area we call employment and training. And here is really where our individuals start to get um, supplemented with support services, but also start to build some hard skills training and get to explore what type of career they may, um, they may be interested in that is in the legal economy. And um, what, you know, what I've described as a linear process and and the actuality is that it's anything but, but those are sort of the components that we, um, that we believe are the building blocks to achieving individual change, which then can be amplified to community level change. And now I want to uh, take it to uh, Vaughn Bryant uh, and at Metropolitan Family Services. And I suspect the, the point of the spear for that organization is the Metropolitan Peace Initiatives. Uh, and, how does your programming work? So uh, Metropolitan convenes a network of 14 community-based organizations who work across 28 communities in Chicago. We too have uh, violence interrupters uh, at each of our agencies and we sort of um, fund them sort of equitably based on the level of violence in those particular communities. All of the organizations also have case managers that provide wraparound services to the need of the particular individuals they engage. Uh, we also have a place-based strategy called Light in the Night where we flood those communities with um, uh, events three nights a week in the summer and once a month, fall, winter, spring. And then we stand up what we call a Metropolitan Peace Academy where we train the outreach workers across all of our partner networks and even beyond uh, to make sure there's professional standards uh, attached to the work. So there's consistency in terms of what the outreach workers do and uh, what their expectations are. And we think that's gone a long way in the last several years to um, in, 
endearing trust with the police. I think there's a checkered past with the police, but I think we're uh, have a, a, a good professional understanding with the police today. And then lastly, we provide sort of our team actually provides free behavioral health services across the network, uh, free civil legal aid services. We subsidize job readiness training and GED attainment. So you can get $300 a week to go through city colleges uh, GED program. Uh, yeah. And with the, the hopes of basically, you know, not only stopping shootings and killings, but putting people on a path to living a dignified life where they're positive contributors to their community. Thank you, Vaughn. Eddie Bocanegra uh, at Ready Chicago. Uh, and I think we're getting a similar theme here. Uh, talk to me about the, the, the kind of services and the, and the kind of programming that Ready Chicago does. Sure, Craig. So first of all, it's always great to see you uh, and to be in a show, uh, especially among some amazing colleagues here in the space. Um, you know, who needs Superman or Wonder Woman, right, when, when we have them right here on this call? Um, I agree. Having said that, um, you know, my colleagues have already kind of shared, you know, when, when I hear Vaughn and I hear Jen talk about their respective works and the work of Red Chicago, I think about how too often the field of gun violence has been very stagnant and the quality of service has been very low, right, in terms of, in terms of what we expect in terms of positive outcomes. And so what you're hearing right now are some great examples of how um, innovation, how coordinated efforts, how um, taking the best research and data uh, to help inform the strategies that we're building here today. Uh, British Chicago is no different in that space as well. Uh, in fact, we were birthed in 2016 when we saw a spike in violence in our city where we saw over 750 sites. Uh, you know, the following year, uh, Ready was birthed to address that same particular issue so that we wouldn't have, you know, we, we could both learn from what's happening, uh, take the lessons that we're learning across the nation around best practices and, and apply it here to see what are other ways to approach gun violence. And as you just heard my colleagues, workforce, which is what also what Ray Chicago does. So we are, we focus on high risk individuals by using um, precise data to inform those who are at the highest risk. And for that reason, we have a partnership with the crime lab uh, out of the University of Chicago that help us identify uh, these individuals as well. But we also have local partners that, again, street outreach workers who are identifying these individuals and ideally providing a pathway, right, from the streets into more of a legal uh, economy. So the program in itself is transitional jobs, kind of behavioral therapy or kind of behavioral intervention. And it is wrapped around with other social services like housing, individual, uh, individual mental health services and family engagement as well. We realize that it's not enough sometimes to target individuals who are the high risk of gun involvement, but you also have to go deeper with their families. And so as of last year, July 1st, we've been doing such thing. Um, I would also tell you, you know, in terms of like, we know that uh, jobs actually help reduce gun violence. We also know that kind of behavioral therapy helps to reduce gun violence. We also know that stable housing helps to reduce gun violence and a number of other things, right? That we don't have enough time to go over. But primarily, those are the things that you, you're noticing here, a theme from these organizations that what we're tackling with, uh, all in the midst of creating real uh, equitable opportunities for our communities and our residents. And here's what I mean by that. When you think about those that we're serving uh, through Ready, 80% of our, of, our, of our men who are 18 years and older have only completed a 10th grade level of education, but they're actually reading at a fifth grade level. So when I hear Jen talk about, you know, this linear approach, she's absolutely right, right? It's not from point A to point Z, 
progress is not linear. And in order for us to think about this population and to the workforce, right, there's a lot of different things that we have to unpack, starting from their mental health, housing, stability, followed by, you know, an opportunity for them to uh, continue to be uh, educated uh, or in, in many cases uh, receive proper trainings on specific topics uh, um, or, or work experiences. But again, having said all that, the fact that we also, our men have 17, 18 arrests on average, five or six of them are felony arrests. 80% of our men have been victims of violence, either they've been assaulted, stabbed, or shot. As a matter of fact, Craig, I would say that, um, you know, besides hospitals and, 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 um, and VAs, there really isn't a lot of programs besides the ones you see here who are really working with those who are survivors of gun violence. And when we're talking about survivors of gun violence, which is one third of the men that we serve, needs that they actually have. And that's really critical for the way that we're thinking about gun violence in our city. We have to be very targeted. Uh, we have to leverage the evidence that is out there. We have to think about community at the center of what we're doing. And, and lastly, we have, to have a, we have to promote equity among all this. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, to address what I think would might be some stereotypes that people might have about the people that you're working with. Because I think sometimes people will think, well, how, why would these people want jobs? Why would they, why would they accept that help when some might have a sense of belonging, uh, you know, being out on the streets? What is it that makes people stay with a program, any program like the ones that you run? And uh, I'll, I won't throw this out to anybody specific. Anybody who has an answer for that, please do. Well, I'll just, I'll just time in it very quickly. You know, fundamentally, what you see across these three initiatives right now is the power of relationships. When you hear outreach workers, right, you hear, you know, people who are doing the inter intervention work, when you think about case managers or coaches, workforce, and so on, at the end of the day, it's about building trust with the same people who don't have trust around institutions, who don't have often trust even their own family members or the people that look like them. So fundamentally, what we try to do is ensure that we're hiring people from the community who have this lived experience. And, and we think about how they've been able to transform their lives, right? And knowing that that transformation is ongoing, right? As we mentioned earlier, right? Progress is not linear. So we really invest in the power of relationships and provide pathways, right, of what is possible, whether it's through employment, education, um, or just other, other experiences, right, to acknowledge that their experiences in life are really worthy and we try to validate that. We try to really acknowledge that you are a survivor of gun violence, right? Like you have a powerful story. You come from these communities, you know, there's a sense of resiliency there as well, right? And those are leaders. But too often, I think that people who don't understand these issues, right, don't, are, are also blind by the fact that we didn't get here overnight, right? That the, we're talking about, his, um, decades of, of disinvestment um, in these communities, right? Where you see like communities like North Lawndale that are still recovering from the civil rights movement as well. So in essence, that's what, what, we're, what we're trying to accomplish here too, Craig. And Jen, I wanna ask you about what you're seeing or what your people are seeing on the streets and, and why they are connecting with the people in, in Roseland and North Lawndale. Yeah, I mean, I would echo what Eddie just shared about, about relationship building. I think that is key to um, how we approach, especially the outreach and the engagement part of the work. Um, 
you know, having someone talk to you who has gone through what you went, what you're going through, who can directly relate because they're from the neighborhood. Maybe they were involved in the same life you're involved in. That's a huge hook. And then I would say that it, it, you know, it continues to be about relationships throughout the programming, but it's also um, you're starting to, to show a young man that there is something else out there that he is worthy of something more than, um, you know, than being another, another victim, another statistic. The last thing I'll say is that we, um, similar to how Eddie mentioned, working with uh, the broader family unit, we've started doing that as, as well. And one thing we've noticed, um, this is not scientific, but, but certainly anecdotally, a lot of our young men have young kids. And um, there is something about that notion of they are fathers and they don't want what they have experienced to, to move on to that next generation. Um, and so for, for a significant portion of our young men, they say their kids is the reason that they stick with it because they don't want to, you know, kind of have the, the perpetuation of, of what they've, the trauma that they've experienced. Let me remind our listeners, you are listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I am Craig Delamore, and we're talking about working to end or at least to, to control or reduce the violence that we're seeing on our streets. It was, we were saying every weekend, but now it's even during the week that we're seeing this. Our guests are Jennifer Keeling, Director of Strategic Partnerships for Chicago Cred, Vaughn Bryan, Executive Director of Metropolitan Family Services, and Eddie Bocanegra, the Senior Director of Ready Chicago. And I do want to uh, hit head on the issues that we're seeing right now, which is that the violence has increased. And there's no other way of, of, of putting that. Uh, Vaughn Bryan, uh, what, what are you seeing out there and is it challenging even the ways that you have been approaching this? Uh, I mean, are you seeing something different that may not respond to the way you've been working? Uh, Yes, it's a challenge uh, because, um, you know, the issue is just so acute. Um, In terms of our approach, I don't know that it necessarily... uh, uh, affects our day-to-day approach. I would say from a strategic perspective, uh, we've implemented what we call the FLIP program, where we, in the summer months when violence is at its peak, we this year have picked the 72 blocks in the city that are the most violent, and we've hired guys who have influence on those particular blocks to try to tamp down the violence. And over the last three years of, of, of us doing that, we have seen uh, a decrease in shootings when we're out on those blocks. And even, you know, in some of the communities that we're working now, you know, we're, we're actually making a few gains in a few communities um, that we're servicing. It's just that, you know, violence travels and violence is not stag- uh, static. Um, and it's really about the people and, you know, getting people who have grown up historically in, you know, uh, communities that are ravaged with gun violence, it takes a long time to earn their trust. Um, as we go back to the relationship building part, because even when you earn their trust, like when we talked about like a 10th grade education, but maybe a fifth grade reading schedule, even when you offer an incentive, like paying them to get their GED, there's a level of hesitancy that's gonna be present because the anxiety that comes from having to sit back in the classroom and learn things that you really should know, especially as a a parent, 
you may have a kid who has a better reading level than you. So you have to face a lot of the, the fears you have and a lot of the demons you have. And so we're asking a lot of people who have, uh, you know, their level of trauma is really, you know, is really deep. And then you're also asking them to, you know, resolve conflicts in an adaptive way when we, we all know that when you have that level of trauma, you don't necessarily get those resiliency skills and those de-escalation skills that come, uh, you know, with living in a, a healthier environment or having, uh, you know, healthier uh, role models. Let me turn to what I think all three of you would like to see, and that is the kinds of programs that you're running replicate, rape replicated across the city because your organizations and the others that are trying to do this can't do it alone. Eddie Bocanegra, uh, the ask in the letter that you, you all participated in was to bring this up to scale. What, first off, what is it gonna take? Are we talking about a specific amount of money? And what kind of response are you getting from the various levels of government? And I know you've been to the highest level of government. You've been at the White House too. <laughs> Well, Craig, let me start off with the White House trip. Um, so first of all, it was an honor to be there in front of the president, you know, sitting there two feet away from him with other leaders who are in the space of gun violence. And the president was very direct. He, he asked, like, Eddie, we're getting calls from governors, from mayors around how to use this ARP resources, right? The American Rescue Plan. Um, what advice can I give them? You know, what's working? What's not working? And so I was able to highlight some of the findings that we're seeing, right? Like through Ready Chicago, we're seeing 80%, uh, because we have a randomized controlled trial study, we're seeing 80% of our men in Ready Chicago less likely arrested for murder or, or, or attempt murder. We're also seeing about a, almost a 40% reduction in victimization in our, in our program, right? With those, again, who are in the treatment group versus the control group. And so at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm not here to say that Ready Chicago is the answer for everything. That is not the case by far. But I think what is the answer is that there are so many elements of our respective programs that seem to be working. Um, what's also needing, what's also needed is a larger strategy across the city, right? That needs to be implemented. And it's one thing to, to think about what does it look like on theory, right? Which is what I went to school and studied for. But the other part is like, what does it look like on, in practice? What are the politics in the community? What are the dynamics between gangs, right? Between culture and race and gender and so on. Um, Chicago is a very unique city. And it's a very complex city at that too, right? So you need to think about the approaches that you're, 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 you're going to take with the respective communities that you're working in. But at the end of the day, here's what I would say. The need that exists right now in our city far surpasses what CRED, what CP4P, or what Heart Alliance for Chicago is able to deliver. We can't meet the demand. There's a huge demand and there's not enough supply. But we also believe that we have many of the, many of the pieces to the equation of how to solve gun violence. And you're, you're talking to the folks who are in this, in this conversation and, and we represent a larger body of coalitions, right? That are doing the frontline work. And that's really critical because they're the ones that are on the ground doing this work as well. So having said that, there needs to be more investment from the city, from local government, county and the state to really invest in, this, in, in the work that we're doing to reach those who are at the highest risk of, of gun involvement and to saturate them with resources Listen, Craig, 30 years ago, if you would have told me, Eddie, what are some alternatives to policing? I would have told you, probably not. But right here, you're seeing three amazing examples that are proven to be effective. So instead of putting so much money around law enforcement, right, we should be thinking about how are we creating equity? Because police are not social workers. 
That's not their job. They should be doing what they need to be doing. And the people on this call should be doing what we're saying we're doing right now, which is creating more equitable opportunities and support services for the men and women and families who are constantly impacted by this issue. Well, Jen, uh, let's let's uh, do the real world, world problem here. And that is that everyone is asking Mayor Lightfoot, as an example, and Governor Pritzker uh, as well, to spend the money on whatever it is that they're working on, whether it's homelessness, uh, it, it might be other things. And the mayor, mayor has said, but we borrowed so much money, we need to pay those bills. What do you say when you're getting those responses? Uh, because it's, it's, it's a competition, but it's, it's also, you know, it's, an op- it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and everybody wants to see a hand in it. What do you yeah. say? Absolutely. So first I will um, announce that I am I'm a social worker by training, not a budgeteer. So um, I will only go so far into the numbers, but what, what I know is true is that um, gun violence is costing us astronomical amounts of money every year. It's costing in, you know, in hard costs, things like incarceration, courts, hospitals, et cetera. And then it's costing in incalculable amounts in in human lives, right? Trauma and lives lost. Um, So I can very clear, with a clear conscience, make the argument that, you know, Mayor Lightfoot in your example, there, there is, um, there is nothing more important right now than, than achieving safety for the residents of our city. And for every X number of dollars um, invested in, in the types of services that our three organizations and many others provide, you're potentially um, bringing the cost savings back, you know, a, a significant return on that investment. Um, so while, I know there are any number of great causes and I have advocated on behalf of many of them in the course of my career. I truly feel like for the moment that we are in right now and the crisis that we are facing as a city and as a country, um, investing in in getting our, our gun violence um, crisis under control is one of the best investments that can be made right now. Vaughn Bryant, we've, uh, we're, we're only down to about two minutes left, but uh, tell me what your, what, kind of support are you seeing for this as an idea uh and and what's your hope that you know for the next several months yeah i mean so far i think you know we have to give uh mayor lightfoot some credit for investing in street outreach for the first time at a large rate uh, for the city and we all you know at the time we said we consider this a down payment for more and more investments as time goes on uh because there's just more to be done um, I think the the next frontier is making sure that every element, whether it's housing, whether it's employment, uh, whether it's youth services, you know, working with families, uh, bringing commerce to our communities, all of those elements have to be in place and we have to be coordinated and it has to be community led. Like we do a particular thing uh, that's a part of a larger uh, ecosystem of uh, initiatives that need to be in place. But the people that are indigenous to those communities, you know, have to lead that process to, you know, figure out what it is they need. And we have to be committed to meeting that need with dollars in place uh, and sustainability for the long haul, because, you know, we've all said that the systemic oppression 
in uh, you know, white supremacy that has been with us since the beginning of our time and housing discrimination have gotten us here. And it's gonna take us you know, some years to get back. And I would just also point out that when you look at a place like New York, and I think we're all old enough to know what Harlem used to look like, what Brooklyn used to look like and what it looks like now, and their gun violence has gone down, where we have a unique opportunity is to be able to bring our gun violence down, but also heal the people that are currently here and keep the essence of what makes Chicago, Chicago without you know, gentrifying our city. And we only have about 30 seconds left, Eddie Bocanegra. Just tell me if you are hopeful, do you believe that you are gonna see a change and you're gonna see more money? I am definitely hopeful through the presidents uh, and the conversation we have in there. The first president in our history that's really investing so much time and money into his resources. I'm hopeful at our state level and I'm hopeful at our county level. I am not hopeful at the city level with our mayor. Uh, I don't agree um, you know, with, with some of the decisions he's making right now. And, uh, and so I am, I'm gonna continue to just echo that, that I, I, I think that uh, more resources need to be invested in this population to see that the kind of reductions of gun violence that we need to see. Well, I am uh, committed to this not being the last time we talk about this. And I hope to see all three of you uh, again sometime in the near future before this summer is over so we can get a progress report on what is happening. But thank you to Eddie Bocanegra of Ready Chicago, Vaughn Bryant of Metropolitan Family Services, and Jennifer Keeling of Chicago Cred for being with us. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There should be a link a little ways down the homepage. You can also find our podcast on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.